Hi, this is Wendy Whalen. Thank you for joining us on New Combinations. Justin, it is so great to be with you today. Good to see you. Good to be with you. Good to chat with you. We have never done a podcast before, I don't think. I think this is my first one for New York City Valley's podcast. Yeah. All right. Well, welcome to the New Combinations podcast. I've got so many questions for you. One of the first things I wanted to know was you grew up in San Diego, correct? Yes. Yeah. And I really don't know how you started into dance and how old you were and what drew you to becoming this artist that you are now. Well, my family, my parents were originally from the East Coast. My dad uh, was born and raised in New York City and he got sort of fed up with the weather and sort of on a whim, uh, he decided uh, along with with my mom, they decided to move out west and they moved to this kind of like sleepy beach town at the time, which is uh, Encinitas and, and Del Mar, which they're a little bit like north of San Diego. And those areas have since grown so much since I first got there. But we used to take these annual trips every year back east, back to New York, uh, growing up. And it was kind of a way for my dad especially to show me where he grew up and take me through the city and the culture and the food and um and particularly the theater so he would take us all to see like four or five plays and musicals that was the trip that i really looked forward to every year and i was so fascinated with all the work we were seeing and and i understood some of it and i didn't understand a lot of it and you know i was sitting in these theaters at the age of like eight and nine and 10 and seeing the first act and then falling asleep for the, for the second act kind of stuff. Um, but there were a couple shows that made a huge impression on me at that time. And one of the biggest ones was a show called Bringing the Noise, Bringing the Funk, which obviously is a huge showcase for tap dance and particularly for what Savion Glover does. I didn't fully understand what it was that I was seeing, but I, knew that I was really fascinated by this kind of almost like cross between movement and musician that I was witnessing. There was a, a kind of specific musicality to the way that tap dance functions that I was really drawn to. And so that was my first sort of like spark of inspiration to begin dancing. And so I actually started tap dance as a kid and that led to theater and my teachers always would tell me, you got to do ballet, you got to do ballet, like it's the backbone of dance technique, and it's going to help you in the long run. And I didn't listen for the longest time. And then when I was 13, I saw a performance by American Ballet Theater, who happened to be touring through San Diego. And it wasn't until that point that I really was able to witness what this kind of like high level of classical ballet was. And uh, it allowed me to see, to be exposed to some phenomenal male dancers, some role models that I could look up to. And that was sort of like the second spark for me that really kind of changed my course. And from that point forward, I, I was really interested in diving fully into ballet. And uh, I had a lot of catching up to do because I didn't listen to those teachers for so many years. And then all of a sudden I had to get back into, into class. And I think because I was a boy, I was able to find 
certain support that was really necessary and influential for me. You know, there's there's a high demand for um, for boys in and men in in classical ballet, and so there were a couple of teachers that really pushed me. And eventually, I made my way. Um, you know, I really wanted to to get to New York. That's really what it was about for me at that time. I didn't know all too much about about George Balanchine and about the School of American Ballet. All I knew was that it was in New York and it had a kind of um, well-established, almost like boarding school program. And I just, I knew that I, I, that New York was the place for me. And so when I was 15, I came to a summer program and I was, the last, I think I was the last guy to be asked to stay for the year. <laughs> I was in intermediate and I remember Peter Bowl on the very last day uh, invited me to stay on for the year. So that's kind of in a nutshell, the, the full arc of it. That Peter Bowl, he had a good eye. Were your parents artists? Yes and no. You know, my my dad was an amateur painter, and he has some incredible large-scale paintings that um, I actually have a couple of them in my apartment, and they were some of my earliest memories as a kid growing up that, that I remember having some kind of response to. And my mom was a language teacher, um, so she was really good with languages. She spoke four languages, um, but my dad's parents were both artists kind of in their own ways. His mom was uh, a cookbook writer named Paula Peck, and she wrote some amazing cookbooks uh, that, you know, I still try and use recipes from those. And she was a protege of James Beard and my dad's father. So my grandfather was a man named James Peck, and he was a civil rights activist and a writer. And he wrote some incredible books about the cause and, um, and, uh, and also some autobiographical work, which I'm really appreciative for because I never got to meet him in person. He passed away when I was really young. And so it's the kind of the closest thing for me to having a conversation with him. And I was rereading some of his books this summer, which was great to sort back through. Um, but besides that, there's there, there aren't very many artists in the family and definitely not the performing arts. But I do feel that my parents and, and my grandparents were very respectful and had a lot of admiration for the performing arts. I think they went to see a lot of theater um, and hear a lot of music. And so that was that was a big priority in the family. Amazing. I want your grandmother's cookbook. I know you love to cook. Yeah. That's one of the things that I, I know these little bitty things about you that that intrigued me. Um, yeah, she's actually got um, for Jock Soto's retirement. I gave him one of her cookbooks, and I remember having a whole conversation with him about that because he's he's obviously was he was very much into cooking himself, and he has you know a cookbook as well. And so that was kind of cool to bring that into the into the the ballet community too. I remember when you joined New York City Ballet and you were a young 
very talented partner. I remember that was one of the one of the strengths. They were like, oh, Justin, Justin, he can do this, he can do that. Was that a natural gift for you, or did somebody did you have some good training, or what did you? I think that's sort of how I got into New York City Ballet. <laughs> I do. I think like that was like the way I sort of like snuck in to the company. Um, I don't know. I was always just really interested in that. Um, I like the the physical challenge of it and, and the idea of like supporting another person and working with it, collaborating with another person in that way. And again, going back to like these amazing teachers and examples I had, I really looked up to dancers like Jacques Soto and Peter Bull um, and Nikolai Hube. And those were my teachers at the school and they're all exceptional partners. And they just instilled the importance of that in me when I was a student. And, and I was lucky to be in the school for like three years and then one year as an apprentice. And so I felt like I had a real arc there and I learned how in demand that skill set was in a company like New York City Ballet because there's so much partnering. And, and so, yeah, I just sort of became naturally interested in it. And I think it served me well in terms of like how far I was able to go as a dancer. I was wondering, I know you've done so much choreography now around the world with just about every great company that there is. What makes New York City Ballet unique in your eyes? What is it about New York City Ballet that sort of the mission of the company. I, I know you have strong feelings about that. And I just, I wanna hear what you have to say. Well, I feel like New York City Ballet has always had dancers in the company that define what the company is. Like, it's not a homogenous company. There's, it's not just like kind of like a one look, one personality, one feel company. Um, I remember just thinking back, this had, your questions had me thinking about when I was in the school and when I was um, sort of obsessed with the company and going to performances every night. And I felt like I knew so many of the dancers as individuals. Um, like I didn't know them personally, but from watching them on stage and watching how they, uh, express the, themselves through their physicality and and through their artistry like I felt like that is really what defines a company and other companies I work with have some of that as well but other companies that I love working with I should say have that as well where there's like certain dancers that you're like wow that person is helping to define what x company is or y company is and, and I feel like that's been one of the strongest things about New York City Ballet. I mean, and then there's other sort of more general things like how the technique is thought about, what qualities are prioritized with the balancing technique and, and the balancing style, I should say. I feel like it's not so much a technique, it's like, it's almost like a preference and aesthetics, like for how a dancer moves that I find highly evolved. There's a, a musicality and a quickness and a kind of like dynamic way of performing that I'm really drawn to and I'm really inspired by. And I try to harness that with my own work. And I think it's also the fact that I've had the residency, you know, being resident choreographer of the company 
has allowed for me to get more and more specific the longer I'm here and the more work I make and the more I get to like interact with the, these individual dancers who help define what this company is. So that I'm really grateful for and, and I'm grateful for being able to, to contribute in that way. I think you define something very American in your work. You choose a lot of American composers to choreograph to. You, you've worked with a lot of American artists for your designs and your, your, the quality of your work, and it, maybe it comes from that tap dance beginning, is there's that certain kind of energy. So what can you tell me about that aspect of yourself? There's some true American spirit in your work, I feel. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's like an intangible thing. It's not something that I think about too much. It's like, it stems from my own upbringing, my own experiences, how I identify as an American and as a New Yorker. I think that all gets kind of like folded into the way I think and the way I create. And I think like, I didn't realize this until very recently, but I do feel that starting with tap dance, with that amazing American art form, really influenced my own musicality and precision of musicality in the work I create for ballet. That has been kind of like a full circle understanding that I felt recently. One of the things I love about ballet as an art form that I can talk about a little bit is that I've always looked at it as this meeting point for different energies, different artistic mediums, different individual expressions to come together and create kind of collective experience or a specific work. And I think that kind of like cross-pollination, that kind of like mixing of influences is a very American idea in a lot of ways. So that's maybe like an additional way in which like my work sort of draws from that sort of like American philosophy. Your dimension is a really beautiful American landscape of ideas and, and philosophies and in, in the best way. That's how I see that in you. It's, uh, I've always like thought about my work and my processes being like a very personal thing. So it's, it's sort of a, just a, a lens into what's influencing me and what kind of like taste I have at the moment or what interests me at the moment and how I can bring that to the kind of like social process of making a dance, which is, it is very social. It's like, it involves a lot of people, a lot of collaborating, um, a lot of communicating, a lot of being with others physically. Um, and then it grows from there. I think it really like, gets influenced by dancers, by artists, by composers and, and visual artists and, and designers um, to then kind of like evolve into what the final ballet becomes. Before this crazy year, you had an incredible experience choreographing the new West Side Story with Steven Spielberg. Yeah. And I would love to hear some about that and then how that experience piqued your curiosity and your desire and your interest in dancing 
creating dances for, for film. And, mm -hmm. and the fact that we had to do that, you seemed ready and available to go there, which I thought was kind of an amazing timing. Those are, <laughs> yeah. those are a few really great thoughts. I actually don't feel that motivated to make work right now. I'll just say like during this time and, and with the restrictions and with the limitations and what we're all going through and what we're all feeling um, has been, for me, it's been like more of a time to kind of like step back and reflect. But that said, I do feel like the few opportunities that we've had here at New York City Ballet have been of the utmost importance and projects that I'm super excited about. And I feel like there is an approach to the work that is being put out into the world from New York City Ballet that upholds a kind of like standard. It must represent this company to the world at large because so many people have access to seeing this content now. And I think like there's been a lot of thought put into the work that we're making during this time uh, and making sure it is interesting and engaging with the right artists and providing as much opportunity for our dancers as possible, which has also been a challenge. I think like it's been really, I think, devastating for the dancers of New York City Ballet right now uh, because we're so used to having these really packed seasons where we get to perform on stage consistently. And in a normal world, we do more performances than any other company in the world. And to go from that to like screeching to a halt and trying to figure out like, okay, how do we pivot quickly to continue to support these dancers and challenge and engage these dancers has been a struggle and I feel like especially here in New York City where everything is so dense and so packed together and and it's all about like the friction of like rubbing shoulders with other people and all of a sudden we lose that now it's been really tough to figure out how to how to even like get into a studio as like a solo dancer and work and and uh take a ballet class or even for me, like I like to spend a lot of time in the studio on my own working through music and movement. And usually I have much more access to that kind of time and space. And nowadays it's, it's really hard. There's not that same access. So there are some challenges that we're all trying to work through. And that said, like, I was really proud of the films we put out last fall. And I'm really excited about this film that we worked on with Sofia Coppola. And I think it's going to be a very poignant representation of the company right now and what we're all feeling without being too on the nose about it. Um, now, let me talk about uh, West Side Story a little bit. Yeah. Um, West Side Story was like a once in, the, in a lifetime experience. I mean, the chance to get to work with um, Steven Spielberg, obviously, but, but the whole team, truly, from the producers, uh, Christy McCosco, to the, the, the production team, to the designers, to the ADs, to uh, the cast. It was like one of the most remarkable collection of people that I've ever gotten a chance to work with. And 
it was a long shoot. We spent 79 days shooting the film and we rehearsed ahead of it for several months. And I spent about a year before all that collaborating with, um, with Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner in a very kind of like hands-on way in what was the planning phase for this film. The whole experience was like a master class in filmmaking. It was like, okay, this is a huge scale movie musical. Um, we're going to start at square one and we're going to see it through all the way until like post-production. And that is just, there's just so much to say about that kind of experience and, and what that meant to me. I had never done a piece of work that one was that substantial. So like it's a two and a half hour long film um, with a ton of dance that runs through it as a kind of uh, language of communication. And I've never done anything on that scale before. Um, and what I mean by that is if you look at a scene like the dance at the gym, that was a, a whole scene, a whole dance sequence that involved uh, close to 80 dancers and over 200 extras and, um, and some very complicated long uh, camera shots throughout. And the most dancers I've ever put in a ballet, I think was around 50. So this was well beyond that. I felt like I had to push myself in the process in order to create and deliver on this scale. But there was wonderful support throughout the whole process. I got to work with uh, actually my wife, Patricia Delgado, and, uh, and also Craig Salstein, who um, the two of them were the associate choreographers on the project. And they were so um, crucial to pulling the whole thing off and to providing the right sort of like attention and attention to detail for every single dancer who was um, working on that project. So I have a lot of appreciation for the two of them. I, it took me a long time to say yes to doing the project in the first place, I should say, because it's such an iconic piece and I love the original film and the, um, and the original show so much. And it was one of the, one of the films that really inspired me from a very young age. Um, and I always, you know, you, we were talking a little bit about what it means to be like an American choreographer. And I always felt like Jerome Robbins was kind of like the quintessential American choreographer in terms of the work he did and the, the mediums he created within. And so it just felt like there were so many ghosts in this play and in this show and in this film uh, that it was a, a, a lot to, um, to think through. And I didn't know if I would be able to, to take it on or if anyone could really take it on. Um, but I talked to a lot of people that I really trust close to me and pretty much everyone was very encouraging for me to take it on. And, and I'm so glad I did because I, it was just a huge, like, learning experience and growing experience and bonding experience to connect with all these 
um, wonderful artists from the film world. And yeah, I'm just really proud of it. And I'm excited to share it with everyone soon. I mean, it's, it's we still have a ways to go. It comes out, uh, I believe it's December 10th of this year. It got pushed back a year because of COVID, but they've just released the first teaser trailer online. So if anyone wants to check that out, it's, it's on YouTube. <laughs> awesome. Whoa. Well, I'm so, uh, you amaze me, Justin, um, just your courage and your daring and your truth, putting yourself out there and growing, you're constantly growing. And it's, it's amazing to watch. I wonder if there's anything about this film with Sofia Coppola that you want to share. I know you, it was, you came up with the concept, you brought the idea to John and I, and you had this kind of like, I think we should do this. And we were like, let's do it. And then you really worked pretty closely with Sophia on making the ideas kind of come to shape. What inspired this idea and maybe where you went with your own premiere that's about to happen? Yeah, I mean, I think like the idea was to create a kind of cohesive film that had a beginning and a middle and an end and something that spoke about um, our return to our home theater. And so I just drafted this kind of treatment for uh, for an idea for the film. And I remember running it by you and John and you guys were super encouraging about it and had thoughts about it and that was helpful for shaping it. And then eventually, once we started to get into a process with Sophia, um, I shared it with her and I was like, you know, this is a starting point, um, take it or leave it. Like, this is just like potentially a way to help you enter this world and um, and start brainstorming, start thinking about how uh, to approach a film for the ballet. And she responded so positively and she loved the concept. And, and then we just kind of like went back and forth on it for a little bit. And, uh, and it didn't change too much. Actually, it's, I feel like the, the concept, the concept has a very um, pure, simple, uh, confident approach to it that works really well for, um, for our dancers, our company and our theater right now. So I, I was happy about that. Um, and then I created a new piece that's going to premiere as, as, a, as one, of the, um, one of the works that's kind of folded into this film. And it is a solo for a dancer named Anthony Huxley. He's a principal dancer in our company. And then, you know, we're talking about like history and how, how I started dance and how I got to the School of American Ballet and and joined New York City Ballet. And the first year I came to SAB, uh, there was another dancer who came at the same time. And this was Anthony and he lived in the room next door to me in the, in the dorms. And let's see, I was, I was just about to turn 16 and he must have been 14 at the time. And he was an immaculate dancer at that age. Everyone couldn't stop talking about him. He was much admired by uh, by all the dancers in in the school program and and by the teachers and I think even by like a lot of the company dancers too. At that age, he was sort of like this prodigy. 
And uh, he's very quiet. He didn't talk very much. Um, but when he danced, there was something that was just so pure and real and beautiful. And he had this kind of perfect technique, but a real, um, he had his own very unique sense of quality to movement, to how he wanted to present movement. And I have just kind of been an admirer of his ever since then. And even knowing him at that age and watching him, and this was like before I even embarked upon my trajectory as a choreographer, um, to starting to make work. And, you know, one of the first ballets I ever choreographed was for the New York Choreographic Institute. It was a piece set to a Mendelssohn quintet, and he was one of the soloist dancers in that piece. And it was at the time when he was still in the core, and we just had a great time collaborating on that. And I feel like he's in his prime right now. And uh, and I think it's a shame that we're losing this year of performances by Anthony Huxley. <laughs> and I wanted to, I, I just really wanted to make something that we could capture on film that shows sort of all of these qualities that I just described, like his way of moving, his, his attention to detail and how he like presents his, um, his, his movement. And, um, and I've always been kind of circling the Barber Adagio for strings. Um, and I had thought about many different ways to structure the choreography for this piece. And I never thought of it as a solo for, uh, for a male dancer um, until we started to talk about this project and this film and this whole concept. And I just thought like, it's such an epic piece of music and, and well-known piece of music. It's like one of the most iconic American scores. That I felt like there, there would be something interesting to giving myself the parameter of choreographing it only for a single male dancer and um, what kind of like tension that might create in terms of a, a dance piece. And so that's where we went with this work. And I sent Sophia a bunch of like iPhone clips of the piece. Some of them were just like head on and then a bunch of them were shot ideas um, just so that she could understand like how the space functions um, what the what the possibilities were for shooting it. And this was at a time where she was not in the country. So we were corresponding a lot in this way. And she really loved sort of the idea of seeing Anthony from many different vantage points. It's kind of amazing because there's shots of him from the side, from the back, rotating around him, from the front, from very far away, from very close up. And I think he looks amazing from every angle. And it's such a, um, a testament to how incredible he is because most of us spend our whole careers cheating towards the proscenium um, to try and make ourselves look more turned out or look like we have higher extension or look like we're jumping higher or, or whatnot to an audience that's directly in front of us. And this proves that 
there is no faking it for Anthony Huxley. Like he, he just has this innate ability and, um, and also the, the, his own like conscious work ethic and approach that combines to a great effect, I think with this work. So um, I don't want to say too much about the piece because I, I always feel like there shouldn't be a lot of program notes for a dance. I think the dance exists uh, as a dance because it's meant to be a dance and it's meant to be experienced as a dance and, and viewers should have their own response to it accordingly. So that's, that's what I'll, I'll end with. <laughs> Point taken, well said and very thoughtful, Justin. Um, I, I, I want to also ask you just kind of to kind of bring it to bring it together here at the end. Sure. You, it wasn't that long ago that you retired from performing yourself and you had been choreographing for years while you were performing principal roles in New York City Ballet and you balanced that so beautifully. How have you evolved as a as an artist post performer and full time choreographer in residence and artistic advisor at New York City Ballet. Something of something I also would love to hear you talk about is how how passionate you are for mentoring younger choreographers because that's something I always see and hear you talk about and you have so much interest in the next generation being so young yourself. Well, I think those kind of go hand in hand. I feel like uh, for a while there, I was trying to balance dancing full-time and choreographing full-time and traveling to choreograph and making work for my home company. And it was really intense. It was a lot. I think like to maintain physically and also uh, spend all day creating and trying trying to get out on stage that's you know in the evenings it was it was hard um and there wasn't a lot of space or capacity for much else and so I think I just got to a point where I wanted to create a little more space so that I could well for a few reasons I think like one I wanted to embark upon more substantial work so creating like larger scale work longer works, works for film, works for theater, you know, even full length dances that hopefully will, will come soon for New York City Ballet. Um, these are things that I'm interested in growing into. And I felt like I couldn't really get there if I was still dancing full time. And then two, like just having the capacity to, um, to expand my like, web of community in terms of how I engage with other artists and how I can help mentor others or um, guide others and you know see more work of other artists that I that I find interesting and and continue to provide like my two cents in terms of how New York City Valley is being led you know with along with you and with John and that became something that was really important to me. So I want to just say that like choreographing is, can be very desolate. It can be very lonely. And when I was starting out, it was hard. It was difficult to find like the kinds of connections and bonds to other people who were doing it. And so I just try and like extend a hand to others who might 
want that or who might benefit from that or whatever. So that's been an official priority for me as well as, as I uh, step away from dancing. But it all, you know, when I stopped dancing, it was like in the flurry of working on West Side Story on the film. So I was like rehearsing all day in Brooklyn. And then I did a few performances during our spring season. Um, and I remember I kind of like hurt my back at one point. It just felt like it, it was like the right time to stop because it was just really intense. I remember like being in an Uber coming back from Brooklyn and in like traffic on the Brooklyn Bridge and like trying to like scarf down a sandwich. And then I was like late for a half hour call. And then I had to dance the times are racing. It was just, it was just too much. It was too much. And so I was like, this is, this is enough <laughs> for the dancing. So, but you know, I, that's not to say that I wouldn't be interested in like getting back out there if it's the right sort of project. I feel like there is something interesting to, in choreographers and dance makers who, who maintain a kind of like dancer relationship to their own work, like people like Twyla Tharp and uh, Merce Cunningham and Paul Taylor and a lot of, you know, American choreographers. I admire. <laughs> yeah, American choreographers. And, yeah. and you see them dance their work. And there's something really special about that. I mean, even that in that new Twyla Tharp documentary, like seeing her in her studio and she's, I think she's 79 and she's like jumping around and dancing in the studio it's inspiring so um so yeah I do think that I'm, I I'll, I always feel like and consider myself to be a dancer I'll say that I was gonna ask you if you were gonna come back and do something so I'm glad you I'm glad you put it out there because yeah I can, I can see it happening for sure I mean I would get out there to do the times are racing again yes <laughs> So who knows, but we'll see. I want to close it down with the two most important ladies in your life. You're, you have a new baby and you have an incredible wife that has brought you, I feel like, to new heights in, in creativity. And I, I just wonder how they have shaped you. How do you feel right now being a new dad? I feel amazing. It's the greatest most profound experience I've ever gone through it's like the it was such a uh fascinating and inspiring process to like witness the birth first of all like that's such a huge thing that women go through and I feel like it's not spoken about that much like people don't talk about it all too much. And I feel like everyone should be talking about it. It's just like the most wild journey. And in, in a great way and in a challenging way. Um, so, so that was really special. And then we're just like sort of getting to know this new person that's part of our family now. And it's a, it's hard to describe. It's like, um, like the center of gravity kind of shifts a little bit but not in a way that like excludes anyone it just like gets bigger and rounder and more generous and yeah we're having a great time so far and it's there's a lot of discovering and exploring to be had and it's like I feel like 
I got to come back on and talk about it like three months down the line because I feel like it's going to start to really influence how I see the world. I mean, it ha already has, but I think like even more so once we kind of get our footing. Right now it's like, you know, two hour, two hour increments of sleep. So <laughs> it's like sleep a little bit, get up and sleep a little more then get up and, but no complaints. Justin, it's a thrill to work with you at New York City Ballet. We're so lucky to have you. Uh, you bring so much inspiration to the dancers, to the audience, to everybody. So um, really grateful to have this little chance to yeah, chat with you. It's my honor. So thank you for taking the time to talk with me. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks, Bundy. Thank you for listening to City Ballet. To stay up to date on episode releases, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts.